Greetings, everyone. Greetings in Christ. Here we go with our second week in our series about experiencing generosity. So I want to ask you a question to begin this morning. Um, did your kids, when, when your kids were little, did your kids ever buy you a present for your birthday? If they did, how much did they spend? Well, you actually know exactly how much they spent, don't you? You know because you actually bought those gifts for yourself, didn't you? Because you saw it on the bank statement right after, all right? So, so really what happened was you bought those gifts for you. Of, of course, it's, oh, that's so awesome. That's so nice. How did you pick, how'd you pick that out? Well, mommy took me to the store and now after your birthday, you really weren't any wealthier financially than you were before your birthday. Of course, you gained, of course, you gained the, the love. You, you gained things that money can't buy, precious. But you actually lost money on your birthday. This is the first thing that we have to understand about all that we think that we own. You see, all of it belongs to God anyway. God made the whole, he made everything. There's nothing that exists that isn't already his. We, you and I, are stewards of his stuff. We are caretakers who get to use the things that he lets us use and take care of it and um, be responsible for it. But we own nothing. And so we can't really give anything to God anyway because it's already all his. So just like kids giving presents to their parents, using their parents' money, we aren't going to make God any richer. But you know what's you know what's so awesome about kids giving presents to their parents that they bought with their parents' money? They get to experience giving. They get to experience generosity. They get to feel what it feels like to feel how wonderful it is to be able to give something to someone that is worth something. Even though they don't have any money, they get to experience what it's like to be generous with someone. They get to experience what it's like to give something to someone that cost money. I'll never forget, I'll never forget the very first time that I bought, bought a Christmas present for my mom. Of course, it was, it was, it was in the store, the department store, and my dad was right behind me. He was the one paying for it. Uh, but I was up there at the counter, and it was this little Christmas pin, little Christmas tree, little gold Christmas tree with little colored ornaments on it so she could pin on her coat. Probably not in style anymore. Um, probably ugly as can be, but I can still picture exactly what it looks like, and, I can, and, and, and I'm sure she still has it, and I can still remember and I was just a little, and I can still remember what that felt like to give my mom something for Christmas that I didn't color with crayons. I got to experience generosity. Experiencing generosity is our series. And last week, we talked about the generosity of God. 
So even though we, we so often focus on what we don't have instead of focusing on what we've been given, God pours his generosity out on us in our lives, in, in creation, in the way he provides for us, in, um, in how he has saved us primarily, in how he has shown mercy to us. And so number one, number one, we experience generosity from God as recipients. That's where we started last week. We experience generosity from God as recipients. But two, we experience generosity as God allows us to be part of the giving. As he allows us to take part in the giving. So we get to experience what it's like to give the way that God does. Even though we're giving his stuff, but we get to experience what it's like to give the way God does. You see, God isn't being generous with us just so that we'll end with us. God's generosity flows through us to others. And we just get to experience how awesome that is. We get the joy of giving, the joy of being generous with his stuff, so we get to experience how wonderful that is. Generosity isn't first about money. It's about character. It's about a transformation of the heart, so we grasp how wonderful God has been with us and then respond to that. Do you know what a conduit is? Here's our, dic- you know, usually we think of the wiring it, it goes through it or water that goes through it. Here's a di- dictionary definition. A conduit is a pipe or channel for conveying fluids such as water. It's a channel through which something is conveyed, a means by which something is transmitted. So generosity is being a conduit through which God increasingly pours his resources to meet needs. Think of a conduit. Generosity is a conduit through which God increasingly pours out his resources to meet the needs of people. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your money. God created the world with his word. He, he could provide for his people very easily by himself, but God chose to use you and me as conduits, as channels to provide physical needs for people and to provide spiritual needs for people. Go make, all, go make disciples of all nations. Um, physical needs give to one another, love one another, help each other out. God has chosen to use us as just the conduits, the channels through which his generosity pours into the lives of other people. Now, we might, we might find it easy to talk about how God has been generous with us or how we can be generous with others, with our time and with our prayers, but it isn't always as easy for us to talk about being generous with our money, is it? It isn't easy to talk about being generous with our gold. In fact, when you mention generosity and money in the same sentence, people start getting uncomfortable. I've actually had, I've had a couple people actually, they came up to me and they, they were pretty sure that I made a typo on the ad cards for this series, our generosity with gold was there supposed to be an L in there? Did you mean our generosity with God? No, I didn't. 
It can be awkward talking about money, especially with people we don't know very well. We don't, we, when you're riding the elevator with someone, you, you don't ask them how much they make. You, you see a ring on someone's finger, you don't ask, well, how much did that cost? You, we, don't, like, we don't talk about money with people, and especially people we don't know, so it can be awkward for us. But you know what? The Bible was never afraid to address the issue of money. 2,350 references in the Bible about money and possession. Jesus was never afraid to raise the issue of money, even with complete strangers. Do you know that he spoke about that subject more than any other subject? So don't you think that we probably need to as well? Yeah, we need to as well because it's all over the Bible. So today, today we're going to be talking about giving money. So if this is your first time to church in a long, long time, and you've kept away because you are just certain that all the church ever talks about is wanting your money, well, you're, <laughs> you're probably going to get, you're probably going to come in here and have that truth now cemented for the rest of your life because that's exactly what we're talking about today. But, the, but the, truth, the honest truth is we don't talk about in the church, that is so false actually because we don't talk about money nearly enough. When it, when it is that much, when the, when the Bible spends that much time with it and, and most churches probably have their one money, you know, Sunday, uh, which is kind of seems to be now, I guess, where, where they really talk about it. We don't talk about it nearly enough because just think about how big of a part of our life possessions and money are. So today we're going to be talking about being generous with our money, being generous with our gold, our generosity with gold. Um, but since it's hard for us, we got to start out with why. Why do we give? Why should we be generous with our gold? We, we need to start there, okay? Because we never, th- what, what churches should not do is, okay, we're building a new building. We need you guys to give. That's what churches should not do. We have to start with why, why should we be generous with money? Why would we even want to? And we have the most beautiful passage maybe in Scripture for that, which was the, the last verse of our first reading today, verse 9 of, of 2 Corinthians 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus gave us everything. He, he made us rich, not with money, rich in, in ways so far beyond money, made us rich, but he became poor to do it. He gave up everything to do it. This is, this is where we start. We're talking about being generous with money. You have been made rich beyond your wildest imagination. You have been given life, hope, eternity from a Savior who gave everything up for you. And this is the only this is the only reason we even want to talk about being generous with money, because of what we've been given, because of the new life that you have been given that will last forever, that will outlast all of your money and possessions. We have a Savior who loved us and gave us life, and He became poor to do it. So we want to tell Him thank you, don't we? And that's simply why we give money. We want to tell Him thank you. And so if we want to tell Him thank you. We want to be like him. We want to live like him. And if we're going to be like Jesus in order to tell him thank you, then we have to be like him in giving. But we have three main objections often when it comes to giving our money. And the first objection is, um, my money is my own. Jesus could have said that, couldn't he have? My blood is my own. My life is my own. 
What if he would have said that? Our second objection is, well, the poor are undeserving of my money. Oh, yeah, what, if, what if Jesus would have said that? Oh, Father, these people are so sinful. They are so undeserving. I am not going to lay my, my life down for them. I'll maybe lay it down for the good angels, but not for them. No, Jesus laid down his life for us, the undeserving. And our third objection to giving money is, well, I'm not going to give money to the poor because they're going to abuse it. <laughs> Jesus easily could have said that. He knew that millions of people were going to abuse, were going to trample on his blood, and we're going to abuse the gift that he gave us and even use it as an excuse to sin more. but he gave his blood, he gave his life for the thankless, for those who would abuse it, for the undeserving, because he loved us. Okay, he didn't make, the, the objections we sometimes make with giving money, Jesus didn't make. He gave freely for us. He gave us everything. So friends, if you want to thank Jesus, if you want to be like Jesus to thank him, give much, give often, give freely to the poor, to the thankless, to the undeserving and when you do that, you, when, when Christ did that, he, he was happy to do that, and it filled him with joy. And the same thing is going to happen with you. As you give freely, much, and generously to those who are undeserving and thankless and poor, you will be filled with joy. See, I, I want you to know this. I don't want your money. I want your happiness. The church doesn't want your money. Church wants your happiness. God doesn't want your money. God wants your happiness. We want you to experience generosity. So our first point today is when you give generously, you will never lack anything. You will never lack anything. Meet the Macedonian Christians. That's what we began. And if you're, if you're looking, I couldn't fit all the text up there, but our first lesson in, in, in 2 Corinthians 8 um, focuses on them. The Macedonian Christians were extremely broke, but radically generous. Uh, and now, brothers, we, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. These, these Macedonian Christians were extremely broke, but radically generous. And then it says in verse 4, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of giving. Has that ever happened in your home? Mommy, mommy, can I please share some of my candy with my brother? Has that ever happened? Can I please give my iPod to someone who doesn't have one? I don't think it's ever happened here in church where just like in the middle of the sermon, someone's just like, Pastor, I, I just can't take anymore. Can we please just pass those offering plates around because I just have this money that I need to give right now. I can't wait anymore. It doesn't happen a lot, this pleading with the privilege for giving, right? It sounds weird. It sounds strange because um, giving means we're going to have less, right? If I give, then I won't have that. I'm going to have less. And, and brothers uh, and sisters, that bothers us because we like our money and we like our stuff. You ready for this? This is going to hit. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Boom. 
You want to know where your heart is? Look at your wallet. Oh, well, I really love the Lord. Well, let me look at your bank statement. No, what, what, what you really love is watching movies. Well, well, I really love the Lord. No, what you really love is going on vacations and, and, and playing golf, right? We could go on and on. We, 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 we can get so, our hearts can get so connected to our money and to our stuff. Why? What, what, what drives us to... What drives us to buy things we can't afford, to buy clothes we can't afford, to buy cars we can't afford, to buy homes we can't afford? What drives us to do this? How do we get so connected to money and, and things? You know, there's some reasons. I think the first one is scariest to me. Are we hedging our bets? Oh, just in case, just in case this Jesus thing turns out to not be real I want to at least be enjoying my life here. Just in case all the promises in the Bible about God don't come true, I want to make sure that I have a good life now. That's a scary one, huh? Another one might be just keeping up with the Joneses, as the phrase goes, right? Because we feel that's what gives us status or that's what you know, makes happier or whatever, but just keep trying to keep up with those around us materially. And another one I, I think is just that I think we just think that new stuff makes us feel better. Has kind of this almost drug-like effect. Well, I'm just a better person. I just feel better. Something's more right with my life now because I have something new. We got to be better stewards of the money that God has let us use. It's his. And he has given it to us to honor him with it. But, but sometimes, you know, sometimes we're afraid to give because then we think that we're going to have less. And, and we, we're afraid and, and we're like, I'm going to miss out on the stuff I enjoy because there's stuff that you enjoy. There's stuff I enjoy. I enjoy having the, the NFL Sunday ticket in HD. I, I enjoy uh, wireless, uh, high-speed internet. I enjoy uh, an iPhone with a lot of data. I enjoy you know, nice clothes. I enjoy uh, eating uh, all-you-can-eat sushi or going to the show or whatever, right? Your list of things that I enjoy. And if I give generously, that means I'm going to have less and I'm going to miss out on these things that I enjoy. But, but if, I, if I keep more, I'll have more and then I'll have more to spend on the things that make me happy, Right? It's not what the Bible says. It's not what we saw that in, the, in that little video clip. Um, Proverbs 11.24. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. So Really? So a guy gives, or a person gives and gains? And another guy, or another person keeps more for himself, but then goes broke? I thought that if you, if you keep more, you have more, right? Nope. Just ask a farmer. Just ask a farmer. Um, there's, a, there's a farmer out in the field with his son one day, and they're, they're seeding the field. And so his son's watching his dad as he fills the, the, the seed hopper with seed. And, then, and he's amazed as the machinery kicks into action. They start, they start with the tractor pulling the, the seeder you know, through the field as it's 
dropping the seeds into the furrows and they, and they go lap after lap after lap and then the little boy notices that, that the seed hopper was almost empty and he cries out, Dad, we're losing our seed. Losing? No, son, we're not losing. Just wait till October. Every farmer knows that giving seed is not a loss, but a gain. And, and, and the farmer who gives freely to his field will gain even more. The farmer who withholds seed is going to go broke. Isn't God teaching us the same thing with money? Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Givers get more. Generous people don't miss out. It's people who hold it in and try to keep it all that miss out. And isn't that why these Macedonian Christians were pleading for the privilege of giving? Because they believed that in God's economy, giving generously is the best investment that you can make. So how? How do we gain then? Let's understand this is not a, it is not a biblical get-rich-quick scheme. All right, so God says, the more you give, the more you gain. So I'm going to put in 100. I should get a check for 1,000 this week. Next week, I put in 1,000, get a check for 10,000. This is not that. We're not going to give to get rich. You, God's going to make you rich. I'll guarantee you that, but it doesn't work. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. We don't do it to earn. Um, God is not a pinata, and your offering is not a stick. Right? We don't give so that we get. There's not going to be a check coming in the mail. God blesses us. When we are generous with him, God blesses us. Now, sometimes with money. And, and I bet you can tell me stories, and I can tell you stories, plenty of stories from our, my own life, my, my wife and our family life, uh, from my parents. I can tell you stories that um, the more generous we have been, the, the more God just takes care of us. And sometimes it is just straight with money. In, in gifts, in new business, whatever it might be, God is, is always generous that way. I, I, my mom will tell you, and she, it's, it's one of her quotes, it just, Joel, it just seems like the more we give, the more we get, the more God blesses us. And so, so sometimes, sometimes honestly, it just, it, it's not like a check in the mail from God, but somehow it is, and God takes care of us in that way. Other times it might not be just strictly financially, but other ways God blesses you with joy. He, he blesses you with contentment. So maybe, maybe your bank books aren't fuller, but, but you're actually, you, you are richer because he blesses you with contentment. Sometimes it's just needs met. So, you know, you, you're, you're in a hole financially because, but all of a sudden that need now is met. And so you don't need finances to take care of it anymore. Sometimes it's problem solved, often with people. And sometimes it's just grace. Look at the, look at the first, you know, half of our text, 1 Corinthians 9. And, and again, sorry, I couldn't put it all up there. Just couple, got the couple first verses. Um, but I'm going to read it all. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. 
Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God will make all grace abound to you. Uh, You will have all things you need at all times. You will. He will make sure you do. He he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness so spiritual things will happen because of your generosity. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. If you're generous, you will understand that what goes through your hands isn't lost. It's invested. It's invested and it is going to enrich the entire kingdom. So when you start realizing, when you start realizing how generous God has been with you and you start realizing how God is teaching you to use the money of his that he's let you use, something strange starts happening to you. Something that you were pretty sure only happens to rich people. You become a cheerful giver. You find joy, not in keeping for yourself, you find joy in being generous. You start giving more and more and find that you actually like it. There are four kinds of people when it comes to giving money. Four kinds of people. Number one, cheerful non-givers. They don't give, and they are okay with that, even if God isn't. Cheerful non-givers. Two, fearful non-givers. They want to give, but they're afraid, so they don't. Then you have three, fearful givers. They give, but they are worried about tomorrow. And finally, you have cheerful givers. They give and they're not afraid. What kind of giver are you? God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, God does not want you to give anything to him because you feel you have to. Don't do that. God wants you to decide. God wants you to give to him what you've decided in your heart to give him because, and this is important because, because you want to thank him for all that he's done for you. That is the only motivation for giving. Not compulsion, not pastor up here preaching his money sermon, to thank him for what he's done for you. And God is the one who gives us that motivation. Okay? Um, All we own really belongs to God. We give in a response to Jesus' love for us, and we want to give in a way that honors him. Now, God does give us some practical guidelines for giving. This is a great passage for that. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. So here are four practical guidelines that God gives us for our giving. It says the first day of every week. All right? So it is the first thing we do with our money. When I receive some money from God, be it a salary, be it a paycheck, be it a gift, whatever, the first thing I do 
is take some to give to him. I don't go paying all my other bills first and then give him what's left, even if it's the same amount. What honors God is we give, it's the first thing we do with our money, okay? On the first day of every week. Second is it's regular. Okay, giving is not something you do when that plate is passed around or just when you come to church. Giving is something you do when you get. So as long as you're getting something, you have something to give. Giving is regular. It's a regular thing. It's not just when you go to church. Giving is something as long as we get. If you made 25 cents this week, then you have a couple pennies to give to God. Oh, we don't have pennies, so it's going to have to be a nickel. <laughs> but it's something to do regularly. And three is everyone, I want every one of you, giving something for every Christian to do. Uh, so whether you're young or old, children, adult, uh, rich or poor, that, uh, giving isn't something for rich people and older people. Giving is if... Like again, if you're a kid, you make 25 cents, you have a little bit to give to God. Giving is for everybody. And finally, it says, in keeping with his income, we give on a percentage basis. We give on a proportionate basis because God isn't cruel, okay? God didn't say, I want $1,000 from everybody because that would break some of you. And for others, that might not be anything. God didn't do that. He said, you give in keeping with your income. It's not gonna hurt anyone. All right, so we give on a percentage basis. Now, in the Old Testament, God said 10%. Now, God gives you and me the honor of choosing the percentage that we decide in our heart to give him. We can, we're free to give 10, we're free to give 15. Suppose we're free to give less. But here's, I guess here's what I've always wondered. We are free as New Testament Christians. We're free to give what? the percentage we decide will honor him. But what I've always wondered is if 10% is what honored him back then, why wouldn't 10% be what honors him now if he is a God who doesn't change? Here, here's something. I want you to listen to me very carefully because maybe I'm sure for plenty of you that blows your mind, but I want you to listen to me. I have never, ever met anyone I have never, ever heard of anyone who is giving 10% or more who is lacking anything, who has ever spoken a word of complaint or need. Now, I'm guessing you haven't met anyone like that either. I, it doesn't happen. You, you won't be left wanting. Test God. Try it. And here's the second thing. Everyone, everyone I have ever met, everyone I have ever spoken to, everyone I have ever, ever heard of who is giving 10% has found it easier to live on the 90% than they ever found before living on the 100%. Test God. Don't believe me? Test him. And friends, when we give like this, when we give, when we follow God's guidelines and give uh, with cheerful hearts, when we give this way and, and we test him with more than we think we can afford, we're showing God that we trust him. We don't trust our earning power anymore. We're trusting him. Isn't that trust? And we're also saying thank you to God. And that's our second point this morning. Number two, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So once upon a time, once upon a time, there was a gardener who grew 
an enormous carrot. And he took that carrot to the king and he presented it to the king and he said, King, this is the greatest carrot I have ever grown. I'm presenting it to you as a token of my love and appreciation for you. The king was touched and delighted. And he said, I have a beautiful garden that happens to be right next to yours. I am giving that to you for you to garden and take care of and enjoy. But Gardner went out of there amazed and, and delighted and, and rejoicing. Now, there was a nobleman standing nearby who overheard all of this, and he thought to himself, wow, if that's what you get for giving a carrot, imagine what will happen if you really give something more. So he brought in a beautiful black stallion, and he said to the king, king, this is the greatest horse I have ever bred. I'm presenting this stallion to you as a token of my love and appreciation for you. But the king saw through his motives and he simply dismissed him. So the man asked why. And the king said, the gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. Even though we get from God when we give, we don't give to God so that we get. We give to God to say thank you to him for all that he's done for us. Um, our, the, the last half of our text, 11 to 15. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for your obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of their surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So not only does your giving help those in need, not only does your giving make it possible for cross of life to exist and to do God's kingdom work right here, but your giving overflows in expressions of thanks to God. Your giving produces a harvest, a harvest of righteousness. What does that mean? It means that because of your giving, other people are coming to faith. Because of your giving, other people are going to end up thanking God too. Because of your giving, other people are going to be in heaven rejoicing in eternity because of what you made possible and the ministry that you funded and supported. If you're generous, if you give generously, you will understand that what goes through your hands isn't lost, but it's invested and enriches the whole kingdom. Your giving models giving to others. Those Macedonian Christians, Paul set them up as a model to the Corinthians. Corinthians, they didn't know how to give yet. So Paul set them up as a model. They learned about giving from them. My mom and dad modeled generosity to me. Who are you modeling generosity to? Your giving inspires others. I have been inspired by you. I have been inspired by the, the generosity I've seen in the lives of people in this congregation. Um, think, just think about, think how cross of life could inspire our whole church body. We are, right now, we are generously receiving the generous gifts of 
graciously receiving the generous gifts of our church body so that we can function here. Um, our goal, obviously, is to, to give more generously and to increase so that one day we can support what is going on here by ourselves and free the church body around us to start more new missions and to get more mission work going out in the world. Uh, imagine how we can inspire our church body if, if God would bring that kind of fruit and that kind of blessing right here. Uh, imagine, so not only you individually, how you can inspire those around you with your generosity you were giving, but, but how we could make an impact that changes the world, that changes our church body. Your giving, most importantly, your giving honors God and it thanks him for his indescribable gift. Jesus gave freely. He, he gave his life on the cross in our place to pay for our sins, even for the sins of not being willing to give. But did Jesus end up with less because he gave more? There's a passage from John 12 that says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So Jesus is saying, the time has come for me to die, but I won't regret it. Because unless I die, you can't be saved. Unless I give my perfect life for you, you can't be forgiven. But if I'm generous... If I give generously, if I sow generously, if I plant the seed of my body into the ground, there will be a great harvest. Jesus gave it all away. But he didn't lose. He gained. He gained us. A, uh, a forgiven people, a holy people, a people that God chose and made perfect Jesus gave it all away, but he gained. He gained us. That kind of generosity doesn't make sense to us, but that is exactly what happened for us. Jesus gave it all away, and he gained even more. What we truly need, friends, a generous and giving God, we have. We have an indescribable gift. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Would our hearts truly want prosperity, joy, peace, contentment? God gives us. And God wraps all of that up and lets us experience it in one simple action. Giving. Experiencing generosity. So when you take that step and give generously, you're going you're gonna to experience so much more of what you actually wanted in the first place. So, you know, maybe, maybe, we should, uh, you know, maybe we should announce our offerings in a different way. Instead of saying, now we have the privilege of bringing our offerings of thanks to the Lord, maybe we should say, now we're going to be passing these offering plates around and you're going to get something. And you're going to experience generosity. All right, so here's your homework. Put God to the test and give generously to someone. 
maybe, you know, I don't, and I, maybe there's a way that, maybe there's a way uh, that you could be generous with somehow with those who are hurting um, in Paris. And maybe in, in their time of need, maybe there's a way that you or that we can be generous with them. Or, or maybe, uh, maybe you, could, you could buy a gift card for a, a neighbor who, who lost a job. But find someone and be generous. Sit down. Here's one. Sit down with your budget, and if you're married, with your spouse. If you're not, sit down with your budget. But sit down with your budget and prayerfully consider giving 10%. I guarantee you that you will find it easier to live on the 90% than you do on the 100%. Give generously and then sit back and watch how God blesses your life. Um, Pray that God makes you a model of generosity to others. Pray that God makes our church a model of generosity to the world. Experience generosity. Experience what it's like to be generous with the gold that God has let you use. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you today just to thank you for the, the, the amazing riches you have blessed all of us with. Whether it's time, talents, or treasures, whether it's money, goods, or things, Lord, you have been generous with all of us. We have all that we need and so much more. Sometimes our hearts want to protect that. Sometimes we want to keep it for ourselves because we think that's what we need. We think those things are more important and it's so easy for our minds and our hearts to go there. Lord, free us from that. Help us to be open-handed. Help us to let go of the things you've let us use and just experience the joy of what it's like of being generous with it and see the fruit that it bears in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen.